Welcome to Music Nerdy Night. This is Scott Bloman again with my brother Keith Bloman and our buddy Larry Waldman. We're continuing our tournament to determine the greatest rock song from 2000 through 2019. Though we excluded any artists that were included in our prior album tournament from the same period. We're continuing and finishing the Sweet 16 tonight. And we have some really good matchups to discuss. The song clip we just played was Dream House by Death Heaven. The song was selected by Larry, who's going to say a few words about it. So, first of all, I think that we can all agree that Death Heaven and Dream House is one song that all of our significant others universally hate. As a matter of fact, as we were playing it, I got a text from Karina that said, turn that shit down. Uh, Death Heaven, uh, so Death Heaven is, depending upon which year it is, is either a black metal band, a death metal band, a prog metal band, or I would even say a, um, a shoegaze band. So, and I think you kind of hear elements in all of that, you know, again, if you obviously heard the death metal growls, um, but you also heard some, some prog guitar riffs and, and even a little bit of shoegaze fuzz going on in there. Um, and almost so, a black, almost a black metal vocal almost a black metal from a from a pitch standpoint yeah for sure for sure so um this uh this song came from sunbather which came out in in 2013 um pretty much universally acclaimed as as one of the the best of the you know death metal black metal albums that come have come out but one thing that i find really interesting about this this album similar to opeth which we'll, we'll hear again later today is that it's constantly changing it's not a a typical um, one maybe this is being a little bit too judgmental but a lot of some some death metal or black metal albums are, are kind of one note meaning like they're, they're they're very similar this one shifts moods and shifts types of music significantly and again that was only a, a very small clip from a nine minute song but it's definitely if you can if you can maybe get past some of the the growling it's uh it's definitely worth a listen particularly if you like shoegaze or or prog i think you would definitely this this album would really resonate with you we we keep shafting we shafted them in the album tournament and we, we shafted totally them did. in the song tournament yeah. so yeah well but at least they're getting they're getting play there's always time for an nit tournament you know once we go through the next couple of rounds so yeah and you see i'm not the only one who likes long songs that's right that is right all right thanks for that larry and uh, let's head to the matchups uh the first matchup is the number two seed Car Seat Headrest with Drunk Drivers Killer Whales from 2016 versus the number 18 seed Future Islands with Seasons from 2014. I, I got to say, I don't like this matchup one bit. I hate it. Can we switch the matchups? Can we? Can we matchups are the matchups. We, don't, we just, often don't like the matchups. But we, we, especially, as you get, especially as you get tighter. Yeah, for sure. This I don't love this matchup this either. This is a not a good one. I, I don't like it. I'd like to, I'd like to offer a alternative. <laughs> right, Larry, hit the tunes, dude. <laughs> Have to be like 
to get car seat headrest. Drunk driver's killer whales is going against future islands with seasons. These are two fairly recent entries you already talked about in episode 37, so I'm going to keep this short. Car Seat Headrest, Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales is an epic all-time great indie rock song. It's kind of emo with regard to the vocals, which remind me a bit of Julian Casablancas of The Strokes and the Voids. It's an emotional song. It's both lo-fi and epic. The song is over six minutes long, and it's definitely an anthem. And the chorus is great and all but begs you to sing or even shout along with it. It's the number two seed in this tournament for good reason. As for Future Islands, have we mentioned how much we love their performance of this song on Letterman? We may have mentioned that once or twice. I'm not sure. Watch it immediately if you haven't seen it yet, or even if you have. The studio version of Seasons isn't as great. There's no death metal growls for starters but it is a catchy, soulful synth-pop song. It has those periodic surges that definitely qualifies it as a rock song. Two excellent songs here, both very tournament-worthy, but this matchup isn't that close for me. When judging the merits of only the studio versions of both of these songs, Drunk Driver's Killer Whales checks far more boxes for me with regards to what I look for in a song. It's an epic anthemic song with off-quotable lyrics, and I never tire of hearing it. Now, if we were comparing the best recorded live versions of these songs, that might be a different story. But I have Car Seat Headrest winning in this matchup. On to you guys. I can't believe I can't believe you said this wasn't close. I mean, that's it's a little cold, man. Well, maybe it's, if I would have put on Letterman, I would change my mind again. Maybe you should splash, put it on. Splash. I mean, I can, I can, I can. Right now, someplace, Sam Herring is going like this, thumping his chest in disappointment because he's he's concerned that you're. I still not love Sam. Your... I still love Sam. Yeah, you, not, this is not a reflection on Sam or or seasons, which I did say was a great, excellent song. So it's just there are different levels of greatness. I think. Uh, all right. Well, I so I do think that drunk drivers, killer whales is is like a prototypical indies sing-along anthem, right? Although it is funny, like if you listen to it, it's, you know, you're, you're singing along to something that's a little angst and, you know, anxiety ridden. And, and it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a song where the more you listen to it, the more you're like, God, this doesn't really match like what's going on in the, in the tune, but okay, fine. Um, but God, it doesn't, even though I do love it and, and it's, you know, as we often do, I, I listen to this, nine song playlist on my way home today from from the city and listening to drunk drivers i'm like god this is such a great song i forgot how much i i, I really do love it i forgot what a great album teens in denial is just it doesn't give me the same feeling though as sam and you know the the, the power of 
of his voice and and the synth pop that's going on and and the pop guy and and thinking about him making David Letterman the happiest guy on the face of the earth when he congratulated them after that live performance. I'm 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 torturing Keith and making this one all up to him. God damn you guys. So yeah, this is just a this is the matchup that I was not looking forward to having to be a deciding vote on. Um I'll say that well Scott can say, you know, studio version this, live version that, blah, 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 blah. The um what you can't do is separate how the song makes you feel when you hear it. Right? You you can't this is you can't just say, all right, this is the studio version right now and not conjure up the images and the emotion that you get from sort of the song itself, right? And again, the song itself is, it's a combination of everything that you know about it, including, you know, live performances. Like, again, these songs take on a lot, like there's a studio version as it was released back in 2014 or 13, whenever it was released. And then there's the life that it takes on you know, over, over time. And, you know, eventually you can't disassociate. Like I can't, when I hear U2 is bad, right. I don't think, okay, this is a studio version. I can't think about live aid or wide awake in America. I can only, I can only judge it based on, right. There's a right. Prove it all night. I can't think of just, all right, this is a studio version. Forget about, you know, everything else that comes along with the song. Um, that's what seasons evokes when you hear that first note, right? When you hear that first note of seasons, it's not seasons from the first time you heard it. It's seasons as the what it's become, right? What it's become in pop culture, you know, as a pop cultural, you know, sort of phenomenon. It's it is the number one viewed YouTube Letterman. Uh, performance ever um and it just makes you happy like the second you hear that that's it you know it does make you happy um on the flip side killer whales is an epic unique you know indie rock song from the late 2000s which is unheard of <laughs> there aren't that many songs like killer whales Be, you know the bands don't there aren't bands like that there aren't they're not aspiring to to do that you're more likely to hear a, a season's ripoff than you will be hearing a killer whales ripoff um and you know larry pointed out like lyrically it's you know pretty it's pretty dark and it's pretty um little all over the place um but it's cool you know it's lyrically i think killer whales is just a lot has a lot more going on than, than seasons does um i think you know as a as a song you know it's a lot obviously it's a longer song there's a little bit more sort of depth to it as a um as an overall you know production this is a, this one's a killer. I'm getting angst watching you. Yeah, I'm struggling. Star, yeah, I'm struggling star. with this one, yeah. and I and and you know I feel the a little honestly I feel a little bit the burden of sort of betraying Scott over and over. Mm. Um, you know, he's sort of. I'm still a little bitter about the last episode. And I and and maybe I'll throw him a bone for knocking off Mr. Brightside, and I'm going to keep Killer Whales. Every once in a while, you I don't give... want a phone thrown my way. If, if yeah. that's every not once in a while, we got to give one to Scott down. If that's not your true pick, I don't want it. I know it's like look, like I said, this this was a torturous, um, this was a torturous matchup just because I love both songs, and it's hard for me to to kick out seasons just because of how 
it always makes you feel when you hear, you know, when you hear the song. And like I said, you can't, you cannot, it's impossible to separate sort of, um, you know, just the studio version of like hearing the song with everything else that goes along with it. And again, there's, there is more, if you've seen the uh, feature on perform, the song is not just like, like, it's not just they did it once and that's, you know, that that was the last time they they are uniquely um that way it's uh he's a character for sure and uh you know i don't like sending i don't like send it hurts me that's why i wanted i wanted to flip to i i don't like this practice this matchup i wanted to send somebody else home but somebody's got to go someone's got to go and uh you made some very good points about how it's not just a studio version and it's the totality of it I, i do like what you said there you mentioned the first note, and we have to mention that first note, right? Because I listened to another song this week from the 90s, uh, Born Slippy. And when I first heard it, uh, Born Slippy, that is, I thought it was Seasons. So there's definitely uh, some similarities between the two tracks. Uh, so I They're both awesome. They're both freaking awesome. They're both awesome, and, and there's certainly many differences as well. Uh, but maybe some parts of the song are a little too close for comfort, so you could... Uh, you could detract some points there for that as well. But regardless, it's going down. Car seat headrest moves on. Larry's shaking his head in dismay. Keith looks unhappy as well. I'm all smiles. <laughs> on to the next matchup. We have the number seven seed, M83, with Midnight City from 2011 versus the number 23 seed, Slow Dive, with Star Roving from 2017. Again, Midnight City is going up against Slow Dive with Star Roving. two more great songs that we talked about previously in episode 37. Midnight City is one of those ubiquitous songs that help define the era we're covering. It's dreamy and lush and hooky and groovy. It's mostly mellow but picks up the pace at times as well. And towards the end it climaxes with that great sax solo. 
and you know we're all about saxes and horns, right, Keith? Fucking horns and, sa- and saxes. Sorry, and I mean, Scott, like, has to differentiate. Yeah, we, we could quibble about technicalities. The Slow Die song is all about its great guitar groove. I love that melodic glide guitar sound it has. The vocals mostly function as another well-placed instrument, as per usual with the shoegazer genre, and the song Flat Out Rocks. It's a mighty fine air guitar manifesto. That said, Midnight City is just the more important song. It's a quintessential song that really represents its era well. There's also more to the song. Star Roving hits on that great groove, and that's more than enough. But there's much more nuance and different things to discover and latch onto with the M83 song. Midnight City versus Drunk Driver's Killer Whales is going to be a killer Elite Eight matchup, unless you guys decide otherwise. So this was the I hate this matchup matchup for me because I, I'm a big Shoegaze fan. I love Slow Dive. I think Star Roving's a phenomenal song. And I agree, you actually took one of the things that I was going to say about how, you know, unlike some of their songs, the guitar is a little bit more prevalent here than it is in a lot of other uh, Slow Dive songs and albums. And it is does have that, that dreamy shoegaze feel to it even though and scott you probably know this is isn't this at least 20 years after suvlaki like i, I don't remember well, exactly. they, they had another album after that pig million uh, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 but nonetheless like you know suvlaki was sort of their their big debut and yeah, yeah. that they're 20 years later they came out with something. yeah over 20 years after that yeah yeah it's, it's unbelievable but Midnight City is, is like you said, it's like a quintessential song of, of the, the 2000 to 2010s. Um, it's hooky. You've, you've, you've probably heard it in different you know shows and, and probably all over the place before you realized who it was or what it is. Um, and, you know, since I don't really get to, to uh, get these kind of songs up into the Elite Eight very often because I usually get outvoted, I'm going with Midnight City. Get a little little bit of synth pop in little more electronica, you know, like half the songs that I propose for these things and Scott rejects because he says it's not rock, but apparently Midnight City qualifies. So let's you know, go with it. If I'm going with the synth pop song, it's probably moving ahead, right? I, I, I got to assume so. Because so. you know Larry's going for it. Oh, <laughs> so like last... Uh, Right, Keith, you got a breather on this one. On Keith. Now yeah, I can breathe. I can breathe easy. I can breathe easy. I love that Star Rover came out in 2017. Right? It's it's like a time. It. I have to imagine they they recorded it back in like the early <laughs> the like early 90s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's the theme to this. We have car seat headrest is kind of out of time. Slow dive is kind of out of time. And our next matchup, we have another band that's kind of out of time. Right. Yeah. yeah, except right, slow dive is just you know was around back back then, That's so it's true. possible that they did record the album and just put it away yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. a time capsule for. Um, and it's it is it's an amazing song, but I won't belabor the matchup. To me, this one was an easy one. Midnight City is, um, it's a threat. <laughs> it's it's a, it's one of the uh the classics of you know this era um i think larry pointed out that sort of pop culture has embraced it um you know again as a alternative synth pop song it still has sort of this presence about it that uh that's impact you know that's impactful do you know i was blown away i i just found out that, that do you know what the what the instrument is for the for that riff that repeats over and over again in in midnight city in midnight city i'm gonna guess that it's something that none of us know yeah since he said that <laughs> do, 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 casio do, do. It's his voice, distorted. Really? I wouldn't have guessed that. No way. It's, it's not through a synth. It's through some 
distortion technique. They he recorded his voice and they turned that into the riff. It is so unique that you can't place exactly what it is, yeah. right? No, well, there you go. That's that's cool. That's a that's a fun that's a fun music nerd fact of the day. That is a fun music well done. nerd. Well fact. done. Then my other the other music nerd fact is it's on a double album. Guess what inspired him to create a double album the first time when he when he from years ago when he heard melancholy boom well it definitely reminds me of melancholy with the whole lush sound and the variety not quite as diverse but yeah in my book i even mentioned that book plug that was well done yeah (laughs) eighth eighth version that's out now right (laughs) the seventh Seven. Okay, but we're working on the eighth. Nah, I'm taking a break. That may not be an eighth. We'll see. Anyway, Midnight City moving on. There will be an eighth. (laughs) Midnight City moving on. Uh, Scott's waiting for funding from the fame from the podcast. Absolutely. That's true. Maybe we can sort of of patronize you. We're we're going to be on some kind of Spotify algorithm that's going to make us blow up. Yeah, Yeah, the... uh, our sponsors are going to make, they're going to fund the eighth edition. We have another listener coming up. So shout out to Gabe, who hopefully is uh, going to listen once this one's published. What's up, Gabe? Got to call out our faithful listeners. Thanks, Gabe. The next matchup is the number three seed, The Walkman with The Rat from 2004, versus the number 14 seed, Silverstone Pickups with Lazy Eye from 2006. up against Lazy Eye. First of all, I'm glad Lazy Eye won the last matchup versus Kurt Vile in episode 39. 
In retrospect, I think it was the right call. So I'm glad you guys bailed me out. Longer isn't always better after all. I do think we picked the right Kurt Vile song with Waking on a Pretty Day, though, with all due respect to Pretty Pimpin'. Also, I think the Silver Sun pickups are a better band than you guys gave them credit for being in our prior discussion. In fact, I know two people who think we should have picked Panic Switch over Lazy Eye, and that song also would have been a worthy inclusion. At the very least, I recommend checking out their 11-track singles collection as a good starter kit. As for Lazy Eye, it has a nice supple guitar groove and it builds steadily until that awesome moment with the vocals, which is just tremendous. It's one of the best moments of any song in this tournament. And it's an almost six minute song that doesn't seem like a long song since it has such an effortless flow to it. The Rat has those great drums and those raw, intense vocals, and it just has a next level passion. I like Keith's reference to Dylan in episode 39. Larry and I had never thought of that, so well done there, bro. Again, Lazy Eye is a great song with that tremendous peak, but the rat hits peak after peak throughout, and that feeling of excitement I get throughout the duration of the rat is the deciding factor here. The rat moves on, and I expect this to be a unanimous verdict, despite much love among our ranks for Lazy Eye. On to you guys. I do love Lazy Eye. It fires me up every time I listen to it. It's a phenomenal song. Definitely an underrated band. I kind of wish they did a little bit more, but whenever I hear it, I turn it up. I listen to it all the way through. Um, you know, if it comes up on a playlist that I've got, if I hear it on on XM, or even sometimes, you know, whatever whatever wacky algorithm Spotify's got for all three of us, it, it comes up a lot. So phenomenal song, but it does not, to me, have quite the same heft or staying power as the rat as a matter of fact i it's crazy because i don't know how many times i've listened to the rat it's got to be in the high you know like 50s 70s i don't know i still find it new every time like there's something about it that i just really really dig i feel like it's more complex than it seems at first to blush i mean we just learned we just found out two weeks or was it last week i don't even remember now two weeks ago or last week about the Dylan reference, which I totally didn't get. And yet I've heard it so many times. I think I just focus on other elements of the song. And I don't know. I just think that that there's something about Hamilton Lighthouse's voice too that that really just drives it for me. So I I don't know if it's gonna be unanimous, but I'm going with the rat. This one goes this one wasn't super tough. The other matchup, Midnight City and Starving was harder for me because I feel like they they hit two things that I really like that I feel are underrepresented in this tournament. Whereas these two are more straight up indie rock songs or alternative rock songs in Lazy Eyes case, but the rat's the one I'm going with. I guess we're done. I guess we're done here. That's right. Move Keith, on. Keith has been a long-term proponent of the rat. It's an all-time favorite of his, so we know which way this one's going. Yeah. Well, I've been an all-time proponent of the rat, but I've also been, and Scott's sort of, you know, I've I've been consistent in calling Lazy Eye Silver Sun's apex, and Scott's sort of been trying to coax me in other. other uh, I, mean, I agree with that. Oh, I yeah. just think some of the other stuff is really good too. And again, part of them are part of it is I don't know how much to be honest. Like I'm influenced by the fact that Lazy Eye is, you know, is a more commercial commercially you know known song um whereas the rat is completely unknown from a commercial standpoint and it's like it's a shame that that's the fact of you know of the music industry and um you know how i don't know how why things become popular or not um but Right, that, that sort of, I think, sort of lends a little bit more towards the rat as sort of this, you know, under um, underdog song that's just so powerful. Right, it, it, it's it, it's known in certain circles and in other circles, it's a complete unknown. But it's the power of it is just so unquestionable. Right, it's it's so. And I'll, I'm sorry to, um, Larry, you mentioned that the rat may be a little deeper. I, I, 
Hamilton said he wrote it in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he must have been inspired. Yeah, he wrote the, inspired, he wrote the it, it comes quick. He wrote the lyrics in five minutes. I think part of it started just from the like from the drum. Yeah, we uh, have to talk about the drums, right? I mean, that, that that the drumming on this song is phenomenal, and it, and it the is other, the number three seed, so it's not exactly an underdog. From a commercial standpoint, it unquestionably is right. Like Lazy Eye is way ahead. I'm sure Scott, you're big on Spotify plays, like the, twenty six sure. million versus ninety nine million. There you go. The research. You had that research arm. The research arm. I'm not, I'm not that big of a freak. <laughs> actually, it's it's actually closer than I. To be honest, it's, it's a little closer than I thought it would be. I, I thought Lazy Eye would be way uh, multiples, like ten times versus you know four times. Uh, Ninety-nine million is um, a pretty big number. Yeah. Um, of course, of course, Ed Sheeran's got like three that are a billion. So you know. Yeah. Exactly. Guess who was an intern for the Walkman back when Bow and Arrows was made? Ezra County. Get the fuck. Did you, you didn't make that up, did you? No, I just is that who it was? That's who it was. It was just it was an, a very well educated guess. Seriously? Well, you knew it was from Seriously. someone from the New York scene, right? I figured it was that someone is, from the New York scene. Good. And since you were asking me, I figured it was somebody of a band that I really, really yeah, love. Yeah, I guess I, yeah. so I, guess I so That's awesome, really? Was, wow. Yeah. Well done, well done. Nice. Now that is he said, that serious music nerd right there. And he said the rat was conceived like a year before it was sort of finalized. But my sources tell me. So anyway, this this is a... This is two two really high level songs and Lazy Eye. I do always get fired up when I hear it and never turn it off. Um, but the rat just occupies and Scott mentioned like, you know, I've been a rat. I've been a rat on, on the rat train from uh, 2004 and continue to be on Team Rat. As you said about Midnight City, it's a contender. Yeah, it's a contender. It's a oh, tough it's a, bracket. It's, it's shaping up as a tough bracket. It's a tough bracket. Wow. A tough we're, bracket. We're, we're getting pretty deep. Uh, there's only superstar songs at this point. So uh, let's finish this up with uh, the final matchup of this episode. We have the number 11 seed, Death Cab for Cutie, with Transatlanticism from 2003, versus the number 27 seed, Opath, with the Drapery Falls from 2001. And in all fairness, BEA is not big on metal, so take that 27 seat with a grain of salt. Transatlanticism is going up against Opeth with the Drapery Falls.
I mentioned previously in episode 39 how transatlanticism will always remind me of the scene in which was memorably featured in the excellent HBO TV show Six Feet Under. It's a mostly mellow song that I describe as an epic slow builder, and the song is extremely hypnotic in the way that it uses repetition to build to an incredibly powerful climax towards the end of the song, which is the part of the song we just played. The Opeth song we realize isn't for everyone. The growly vocals and 11 minute runtime will see to that. But there is a brilliance to the song, the light and shade contrast it has, the heaviness and the mellowness and melodicness and harshness. I think most people will at least like certain parts of the song if they give it a chance. It's very progressive and majestic with its multiple sections. And that's the best thing about it to me, the way it takes you on a journey and keeps you or at least me coming back for more. So we have two long songs here, an eight minute song and an 11 minute song. So, the so basically this is a Scott part of the bracket. 11, my kind 11, of greater than, 11 greater than eight, is that how I will reveal shortly. <laughs> so basically my point is they're long songs and the clips we played only really give you a small taste of, of what each song has to offer. This is one of those matchups where depending on my mood, I could pick one song over the other, but I'm more often likely to be in the mood for the Death Cab for Cutie song. And all things being close to equal, my history with the song and its inclusion in Six Feet Under would be a tiebreaker in its favor anyway. Which way do you think I'm going to go, Scott? I think you're going to push it over to Keith. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to push it over to Keith, but I'm voting for fucking Opeth for sure. <laughs> so... Hey, look, I, I, Transatlanticism is a great song. This is a really good album. And and I do think the build that we listened to, the clip that we listened to, the build to that's, that. That's epic, pretty freaking epic. It's pretty fucking epic. Yeah, no, I'm, total, I'm totally down with how it goes down. But it's not as epic as, as Drapery <laughs> Falls. And it's not, the, I mean, you know, you're, so I'm the opposite of you. Like, I could, I could probably listen to both of these songs, depending on my mood. But the song I'm going to much more often is going to be Drapery Falls and, and Blackwater Park. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like a, the part of the reason why I did play the opening, partially it was laziness, but partially it was because I hear like King Crimson when I listen to the beginning of that. Um, I, I, I get that, I get that proggy vibe that like that, especially because the way it starts out, I'm going to be taken on a journey. I'm not really sure where it's going to go. And, you know, you kind of look at the album cover and you're like, you see that, that misty foggy, deepness that you're not really certain what's beyond there that's how that's how this song makes me feel like i and i want to see what's going to be after the next minute and 40 or that you know whatever it is that i'm listening to those some of those chord progressions i want to know what's going to happen after that so for me this one was not super hard as much as i like transatlanticism definitely not the album i'm going to i'm going to going to blackwater park i'm going with fucking opeth let's go keith let's go it's not the album though it's the song yeah, I know. But what I was, uh, actually, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say that, you know, Larry when he references Opeth, often reverts back to Blackwater Park. I do. Or, You're right. I do. Or or Opeth. And he certainly hears uh, uh, Stephen Wilson as, as well. You hear Stephen Wilson, but you know, look the the transition from the guy before Stephen Wilson, who is. Uh, a giant in the Scandinavian death metal scene, um, Dan Swano, who, who produced the earlier albums, um, who had his own who had his own band. Um, to to Wilson wasn't it wasn't it's not a dramatic shift, right? Like his impact is is noticeable, but you know, Elpeth was always a sprawling, you know, shifting. Uh, you know, shifting band. Again, just my plug will be I saw Opeth live in concert. Um, so I have more the credibility. Actual, the actual concert, correct? The actual, but I, so I have more <laughs> credibility more as an Opeth, as Team Opeth than, uh, than you guys do, let's face it. Uh, Fair enough. Does he, uh, he gains credibility for not. going to Opeth? He loses it by going with a whole group of actuaries. <laughs> and by leaving before the, the set was over, before the set was over. Uh, 
but it was but I was they felt like shit that day. Anyway, um transatlanticism it's then Scott mentioned the the uh connection to six feet under and which brings you back you to know, your prior point about seasons. It's yeah, kind of well, it, I agree. I like I don't this is I can't and look, it's going to be a lot more impactful for me than most people who are listening, right? Seasons is more so much more directly attached to the video than like most people got got attached to seasons from the video more than than transatlanticism from six feet under um you know a, a, a snippet of six you know from six feet under most of most of the audience not being typical death cat for cutie um fans to begin probably um to me the difference in in this matchup is a little bit and i get look transatlanticism as an album you know was it, a little bit of a shift for Death Cab and, you know, it pushed them more into like the emo scene and, you know, call me, you know, I'm teamy, I'm definitely teamy, <laughs> team emo. Um, you are definitely team emo for sure. For me, it's hard. At the end of the day, it's, it's hard. I love Drapery Falls. It's hard to separate, you know, to, pick out like Opeth is about the overall like no one song stands out in an Opeth album right the Opeth albums are they're these sprawling they don't even separate like it's hard for you to even find the separation between you know from one song to the next like Blackwater Park is this expansive soundscape right it's it takes you from you know, Drapery Falls could be three songs within one song. Which is why Larry um, often refers to Blackwater Park rather than as, Exactly. Falls. And, that exactly and that's, right. you know, Black. so Blackwater Park in, it, in its totality is this grand, epic, sprawling piece of art that you can put on and listen to. And it can be background music at, at points and it can be you know, in your face at other points. Um, but Drapery Falls falls sort of within that spectrum, right? Transatlanticism to me is is the more singular. Um, I'm giving you the answer here. Transatlanticism to me is a little bit more um, of a singular experience. And Are you willing to make this a clean all. sweep for Scott? Four for four, baby. My, it's going to well, be insufferable in the last round. But I, only, I decided two, right? I'm deciding two? Yeah, but I'm just yeah, saying four for four. That might be a first. I think he's still no, a loser. No, I've had plenty of <laughs> do, we, do we have to go through the archives? We might have to. Exactly. We, really, we should have like a one loss percentage. Yeah. And and so, and I'm, this may be a little bit of a spoiler going forward. <laughs> And this is why I was so this is my this is sort of my comment at the beginning of the episode where I want I I have to we should we need to change you know the the matchups here. These two songs probably would have lost to every song on every other song in the bracket. Hmm. There I there I said it. So you want to do you want to do like a reseeding each round? I'm just saying. You know, this was the bottom part of the bracket. That's fair enough. All right, that's fair. I don't think I could. I don't think I would argue with you that they probably would have lost to most other songs. We'll find out. Right, well, we, well, we can't change the rules midway through the. Hey, yeah, we can't yeah, change the rules midway. Maybe we'll you, play, you gotta play. The, you gotta play the games, right? Yeah. We say it's yeah. all about the matchups, and and sometimes it works out. Sometimes uh, we have these painful cases where where someone departs the tournament prematurely maybe their next matchup will break a leg on the way to the uh to we'll the game. maybe the lead singer will you know they'll tear an acl tear an acl <laughs> i was gonna say maybe the lead singer will have like a heroin overdose and you know be hospitalized all right. more likely. likely all right scott give us a recap all right we're gonna recap this episode uh in conclusion we had the number two seed car seat headrest 
With Drunk Drivers Killer Whales beat the number 18 seed Future Islands with Seasons. Uh, and it was a little closer than I was expecting. And uh, let's face it, Sam Herring is still a total legend regardless. The number seven seed M83 with Midnight City beat the number 23 seed Slow Diver Star Roving, setting up an epic Elite Eight matchup with Car Seat Headrest. Then we had the number three seed The Walkman with The Rat beat the number 14 seed Silver Sun Pickups with Lazy Eye. And the number 11 seed Death Care for Cutie with Transatlanticism beat the number 27 seed Opeth with The Drapery Falls. Uh, but as Keith kind of pointed out, it will be a decided underdog against the rat. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Only major contenders are left at this point, And next episode, we'll cover the Elite Eight. Have a good night, everyone. Night, everybody. Awesome.